This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Hello, and welcome back to the 343 Podcast. This is another installment of Two Minutes Uninterrupted. On these episodes, coaches are given two minutes to discuss their coaching philosophy and ideas about the game. After that, we talk about the topics that they touched on and try to extract at least one gold nugget that you can leave with. The guest on this episode is Adam Finney. So a big thank you to Adam for coming on the show. And you can connect with Adam on Twitter by searching Adam underscore Findog. Once again, that is at Adam underscore F-I-N-D-O-G. Adam has actually been on this podcast before, and you can find links to that first chat on 343coaching.com. And he is also a 343 Premium Coaching member. Adam has experienced great success using the 343 methodology with his teams in Mariposa, California, specifically with his girls' varsity soccer team. The 343 Premium Coaching Membership is a program that has been successfully implemented by many other coaches across the country at all levels of play, including the ECNL, Development Academy, and even college soccer. David Copeland-Smith, the founder of Beast Mode Soccer, is in his sixth year as a 343 member. He said, and I quote, Honestly, it's worth 10 times the yearly membership. You're not investing in the drills. You're investing in your education, a proven methodology, and a phenomenal community of progressive coaches. End quote. The premium membership gives you 24-7 access to video lessons, ebooks, and audio recordings that help you learn the proven 343 philosophy and methodology. And you're also able to tap into the nationwide network of 343 coaches via the exclusive members-only forums. That's where you can exchange ideas and videos and look at all kinds of other question and answer sessions that have happened for more than five years now which is an amazing, it's an amazing resource, it's an amazing library of resources, actually. You can learn more about the benefits of the Premium Coaching Membership Program by visiting 343coaching.com. Once again, that is 343coaching.com. All right, I hope that you enjoy this episode of Two Minutes Uninterrupted with Adam Finney. Hello. Mr. Finney. What's going on? What's up, dude? How are you? Oh, good. All good? You settled yeah. in? Yeah. Yep, settled in. All right, cool. Let's uh um, let's... I am at work, so there's a chance I might get interrupted if that happens. Can we just start over? Uh yeah, no problem. Uh it should it shouldn't happen, but there is a chance. Okay. Uh working at the uh Mariposa High School. I'm already yes. recording, so that's why I'm filling people in. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, all right, cool. So um, you are like uh, one or two of the other interviews I've already conducted where we've already had a podcast recording. So if people want to listen to more of your thoughts or our conversation, they can go back and find those longer episodes 
on 343coaching.com. But today, Adam, I'm I'm challenging you big time because you like to talk, man. So I'm, I'm putting a time yeah. limit on you today. <laughs> um, so two, two minutes uninterrupted. Uh, actually, there's going to be a short interruption, about 30 seconds left. I'm going to chime in and just warn you. You got 30 seconds left so you know to kind of wrap it up. And then about five seconds, I'll warn you again so you can get your last words in. And then uh, after that, we'll talk for like 10 minutes about whatever uh, whatever you choose to talk about. Perfect. Cool. Uh, so two minutes uninterrupted from Adam Finney. All right, go for it. My philosophy is maximum ball possession. We want to have the ball not simply because – this is the DNA of our style, but because it is without a doubt the best methodology for player development. Being a small, um, in fact, tiny area, we don't often get players with skills transferring to us. So the players we develop are the players we have. Recently, our philosophy has adapted a bit to the reality that getting enough kids playing consistently is the second best thing we can do behind having a vision. Second to the methodology of possession is the structure of having kids playing together as much as possible. And for us, this is really going to have to be a pickup culture. This is hard to do in an area with a large geographic spread, but despite any and all human concerns, um, our players have to always want the ball at all positions and all levels, and we have to work toward fostering that and developing that, not against it. So we want to encourage solutions primarily not conceding to clear the ball at U8 or even U18, except for maybe the last 10 minutes of a game. For us, it's about the capacity of a group of minds to problem solve and work with each other on the field to create magic and to keep the ball. With all that being said, my philosophy is to work here locally to realize the ultimate good of that possession methodology. 30 seconds. Um, Knowing that through that realization process, we can create a center. We are a small center, but our vision is that if all rural areas and small centers within larger areas work toward a common goal of the beautiful game of ball possession for the sake of player development, then that will build the base of the pyramid very strong, very vast. And hopefully those at the top will then know what to do with it beautiful right on time cool uh all right let's talk about it adam um cool just real quick so this this can be its own standalone episode i guess let's uh let's figure out who you are what what you're doing what you're coaching um and a little bit about your experience so so who are you yeah where are you and what level are you coaching currently yeah well my name is adam finney uh currently i'm coaching high school and i oversee a youth club in our community but Our youth club is a little different um, because we're struggling to field competitive teams in the local sort of regional league, uh, the NorCal Premier. Talk about about your struggles really quick because I think it's important to highlight why it's a struggle. Yeah, so like I said, I coach high school varsity girls and I've been really successful at that. When I coached the boys, it was a little harder. Um, I don't have as great a winning percentage, but uh, with the girls, we've been really dominant. But in terms of developing youth players, um, you know, you're playing against clubs of four, five, six thousand players, and there's like 200 players, you know, youth players in Mariposa County. So it's hard to have age peer teams. We got killed with the change, um, even though I think it's fine to have them playing larger numbers at a younger age if it's the right, you know, setting. 
that was hard for us. Um, and now they've kind of taken some of that back and it's smaller numbers, but yeah, you know, and it's also just like the time commitment, right? The time commitment of a parent who has a six-year-old that likes to do eight different things. Um, it's harder to, you know, communicate like if you want to be competitive soccer player, you need to do that nine, 10 months out of the year. Um, and that's also difficult because that kid would probably end up being a top-level player and may benefit from just traveling 45 miles down to a bigger club. Well, and, and one of the things that you should or, – or that listeners should probably know is that your high school is – well, Mariposa High School, but uh, Mariposa County is one of the largest, if not the largest, county in Central California and or maybe all of California. Um and when you said, you know, it's, it might benefit them to travel 45 minutes south from Mariposa, I know that, you know, players like, um, who am I trying to think of, like Autumn and the Twins and, and people like 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 some, some yeah. of the kids on your team, they're driving 40, you know, 40 minutes, 45 minutes just to get to high school. So, uh, you know, right. talking yeah. about club soccer in, in a rural area, you know, it's a real, it's a real challenge for you guys. And I feel like a lot of a lot of people that listen to this podcast also suffer from those things like, oh, I'm so far away from a DA, I'm so far away from an ECNL team, I'm so far away from this or that. But it's like, you know, your your example is probably the most extreme example of being isolated and rural when it comes to American soccer. Yeah, and if um, I think all rural areas, if the one thing that we fear is irrelevance, you know, and that's true of other marginalized communities as well. But if you can give those rural areas some relevance, then all of a sudden it encourages players to play more months out of the year, to develop, to believe that they can play at the next level. You know, maybe you allow um, in the lower tiers of the competitive, you know, youth uh, leagues, you allow them to have three or four older players if the the town is small. I've heard that um, some European uh, leagues do that just so that the they can develop more players in those smaller areas you're you're really good with words so i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you this question and see what you think of it but can can relevance and incentive be kind of interchangeable in american soccer like, like giving you an incentive or giving the yeah. families an incentive to to play year round or giving them an incentive to uh, invest or develop the, the the programs or invest in the programs, invest in the clubs and invest um, the, the time in, in, in the development processes. So in that regard, is relevance and incentive, is that kind of interchangeable? Yeah, and I think also when I think when I hear incentive is I also think like being rewarded for doing something well. And that's also an issue because, you know, if you're a feeder club, um, you should have pride in that. Like, wow, we, we sent three players to a, you know, state premier team um, and they start and now they're going to go play in college. But oftentimes that's not the case. It's like, oh, well, that that made it to where our age group at that age group now we we suddenly can't field a team and and there's clubs infighting even in larger areas to hold on to players that they really shouldn't hold on to in fact i know a guy who started a very successful club and was kicked out of the club because he encouraged players to leave and go to a da team where they could get more um notice you know they get more exposure and the club did like a coup and threw him out because they wanted to hold on to those players so yeah i think you have to have relevance for what you're doing. And then the incentive is 
seeing how it fits into the pyramid and seeing how, you know, hey, maybe you're a sixth division team in girls soccer in in California, in Northern California, but you just sent a holding mid that's now playing for the top team. And we see that all the time in England, um, guys that come up through promotion and relegation, but just also because they did well on their teams and scouts are looking for a position player. Without that uh, around here and also without the continuity of any really like system-based, I don't know, teaching positional players where it's like, hey, we're looking for a six that does this. Instead, it seems like everyone thinks that at the next level, everyone's just looking for the best player available. And so you're not even really rewarded for developing a player with a certain skill set, which is also very difficult. That's that's something you've mentioned to me before on, on one of my multiple trips up to visit you in, in Mariposa. Is, and I think we talked about Don as that example, one of your former players, as being like a specific type of player. And, it, you know, if the if the coach of a program was looking for that specific type of player don is the perfect fit but if you're just right. if you're just going out to watch a soccer game and you're just trying to identify the best player on the field and and hoping like if you send a recruiting letter or if you make an approach or something like that that they say yes it's like well maybe the best player on the field isn't the best fit for your team and, and maybe somebody that is you know has been developed a certain way actually is but you're not looking for that so i know we've talked about that before but yeah uh, it's something you're obviously passionate about yeah, especially in the midfield, you know, and with smaller players, like, because another thing with being rural and small is that you don't have, it's nice because you don't have this, like, giant amount of players to choose from. So you're not even tempted to take the player that's stronger and taller and faster than everyone. But then when you do see the smaller players developing and, and you see, like, just how few options there are for them, um, it's pretty frustrating, too. I want to get back to something that you mentioned in the in that first two minutes, um, which I think was pretty cool because you could obviously tell that you'd you'd given it um, you, you'd given it a lot of thought, and you mentioned uh, what oh shit I can't even read my own writing. Um, it, you you develop what you have. You guys are a small area, and you and you develop the players that you get. You're, you're not relying on you, you know somebody else to do the work. Uh, necessary at the at the younger ages to develop these kids it's just this is what this is what you're getting and and you it's up to you to develop them but what i kind of took away from that is that there's also no excuses like you're not you're not trying to make an excuse for for any of of the results that that you incur throughout your seasons or anything like that it's like you're willing to accept the fact that this is what i have and now i need to put in the work in order to get the the most out of it and i think that's pretty cool and and at towards the end um, you also mentioned something about being an example for um, other areas or other areas needing needing to kind of like uh, play follow the leader at some point. I think that's kind of what you said. Um, so if anything, I think that, that that message alone is not not having any excuses is something that a lot of rural areas can can take and, and learn from as well. Yeah, and be a center, you know, like for what you stand for. Um, and I think that, in a sense, it is all about development and all about creating the best situation, the hotbed, and, and ultimately winning at the highest level that you compete at. But I also think it's a little unrealistic to think, okay, our club has 200 players, boys and girls, ages 4 through 16, and we're going to compete with a club that has 6,000 players. Um 
you know, that's like a ninth division team from Italy competing with um, Juventus. So with that being said, where, where are our victories? What, what does it mean for us to achieve and to succeed? And I think it starts with um, the powers that be in U.S. soccer recognizing that the pyramid, whether it's a youth pyramid or a pro pyramid, has to include small rural areas and has to have eighth and ninth divisions so that those teams can win promotion and build momentum and, and, and have relevance. Because otherwise, if you're judge of how good you are as a player developer or as a team or as a system or whatever – you're you're a small area and you're going up against you know a titan a massive club and i mean it's you know 200 to 6000 is a pretty big difference right if you both if my club has a thousand and your club has 3000 i don't think that's such a big difference but at 200 you're not even going to be able to field you know multiple levels of teams if even teams at different competitive teams at different levels so, yeah, but that still means that we have to grind and we have to work. And like you said, there's no excuses. So if we're not producing any players that are capable of playing in college, but we're a high school team that wins 75% of our games, what are we really doing, right? Are we just padding our egos and playing a totally useless brand of the game that doesn't really apply to anything else? Um, you know, so for us, I think that's part of it too, is figuring out like, and that's why we have established this like possession possession methodology because in the end it's going to develop players the best some people disagree with that but that's fine the judge of it is going to be the product that we put on the field and we have to keep pushing ourselves absolutely man um where can people connect with you and find out more about Mariposa soccer and, and uh, both the high school and, and the club programs that you guys run and, and where can people continue the discussion with you if they, if they, if they wish to. Um, I'm on Twitter and I, you know, I mainly, uh, it's mainly a soccer related account. Um, Adam underscore Findog. Uh, and then also if people come to Yosemite, you know, feel free to hit us up. Um, we don't always have stuff going um, here because the summer it's pretty thin because so many people work in Yosemite and they're in the high country or they're traveling or whatever. But when we do have stuff going, we love to play host and, and just show what we're doing. And, and we're always open to any ideas. Um, that's the best thing about it is there's always people coming here or traveling from far and wide. And it's been really cool over the years to learn from people from all over the world who are drawn to Yosemite. Yeah, Adam. Adam has been. Uh, he's played host for me multiple times, and he's, he's actually we've walked through um, Yosemite Park together multiple times. And he's told me about the epic pickup games that they have, like with the international camps that uh, are inside of Yosemite during the summer, and uh, with all the you know all the staff, all the international staff that's there, they get some epic 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 pickup games that happen there. But um, like he said too, a lot of people are always passing through Yosemite just doing the tourist thing. And, and if you ever want to stop and have a soccer chat with Adam, um, I highly recommend it. He's the mayor of mariposa unofficial mayor of mariposa i guess um but uh, everybody knows his name and, and the local coffee shop there has always treated me good so if you're ever up in up in that area make sure make sure you reach out to him and and it still kills me that the one time that um i wanted to i was hoping that somebody was was there at the, at the same time i was seeing the picture was anthony de chico was passing through town and he posted a picture at pony expresso and, oh, I, no and, and i just didn't get to you in time to uh to tell you to reach out to him or him to reach out to you. And then a day later he was down here in Pismo and reached out to me. So um, it was cool. We got to meet up, but I was bummed. He didn't get a chance to talk to you. 
Yeah, it's uh, we're that would have been awesome. But yeah, we're you know we yeah, how it is. You get the travelers' tales. You learn little things, and uh, I mean it's interesting too because uh, we don't always you know we're, we I've been doing this a long time and I coached at a lot of different levels. Um, but sometimes working with players who you don't even know like what their upside is. Maybe they're just going to be like a sub in high school, or maybe they're just a recreational player. But it's still, you see them receive the, the ball across the body with their front foot. You see them. <laughs> we were doing pickup the other day, and this kid receives the ball on his front foot, goes for it. You know, makes a makes the exact play that we trained um, in a pretty chaotic situation. And I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of rewarding things about that. That's cool, man. That's cool. Those those little victories that are that are always fun to watch. Uh, yeah. One more time. So it's Adam at Adam underscore Findog on Twitter. Reach out to him there. He's also a three four three member, so you can find him in the forums on the on the website. Uh, Adam, thank you so much for your time, man, and everything that you've done for for me and for the three four three community in the past and and in the future as well. Because I know that you're going to be part of it for a long time. Oh, hey, John, the pleasure is all mine. I, I didn't even really start learning until I joined 343. So um, I got a little taste of what coaching was like with a Portuguese guy who had done a lot of 343 style things. And then I went down the rabbit hole and it's all about that in my podcast with you. But, you know, you guys have opened our eyes and really elevated things here in Mariposa. So thank you. Thanks for uh, letting me talk. Absolutely, man. Well, uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll be talking to you again soon. Okay, John. All right. All right, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Later. Bye. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. I also want to leave you with one note from one of our members of the 343 Coaching Education Program. His name is Thomas, and he's been a member for quite a while. And this is what he had to say. If you want to play insanely good with your team and start to understand the possession and positional game, this will give you a head start. I have tried the material on three ordinary teams, and after a year, they totally dominate the local teams. After two years, they are among the best in the region. The program 343 offers is not a complicated curriculum. It's actually simpler than you might think. But instead of more, you have to go deep in every detail. Thomas, thank you so much for that beautiful review. And I hope that everybody else finds that valuable. If you want more information about the 343 Coaching Education Program, the program that helps support and fund this podcast, you can visit 343coaching.com. All right, we'll catch you guys next time here on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening.